You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner Roberts. This is Chapter 21, Part A, Underwater Somewhere Else. Even the water tasted like flowers. It should be salty this far south. It was roses and violets in his mouth. Icarus had forgotten what anything tasted like, except for Calyx. Her magic, her intrusive bloody bond, pushing all manner of floristry up his throat, over his tongue. He was drowning, he realised, as a secondary sensation. Mouthful of flowers, choking. Water everywhere, dark and impossible. He had lost track of Reynard Calderan after shoving him into the River Divine and falling along with him. Nothing to see down here but water. A wavering pattern of light and... This was what dying felt like. He'd known he'd get here eventually. Death marked Icarus when he was born. A pale shaded scythe knife splayed across his right palm. Death tempted Icarus when he was eight years old, a street kid with no hope and no future. Bright-eyed and merry, Death ran with the other boys, pretending to be one of them, play-acting at being human. After Death left him alone, Icarus marked his wrists up to the elbows with hopeful cuts, calling to the Black Raven to shelter him. Death did not come. Icarus offered himself to death when he was thirteen, a wayward youth standing on a bridge, staring into the swirling waters of the River Divine. The Black Raven took the form of a bright-eyed boy with a wicked smile, the same age as Icarus. Long dark hair in braids that fell to his waist. He sat on the edge of the bridge, shifting his weight back and forth like this was a game like he wanted to jump too, just to see what happened. Take my oath, Icarus demanded, not for the first time. He'd burned incense in every raven shrine in the kingdom to earn this encounter. It wasn't going how he'd expected. The boy with the long black hair tipped his head back, laughing in the sunshine. Jump with me, he said. We'll go together. Let's not romanticise this, said Icarus, and held out his arms in entreaty. Take my service. Take me. You can serve me without killing for me, Death reminded him. I don't do anything halfway, promised Icarus. Death leaned in and kissed him on the mouth. He tasted like honey cider and fresh bread. We'll see. In the week that Icarus turned 14, he missed too many meals, got sloppy, almost bled to death after a street robbery went wrong, woke up to find death sitting on the edge of his bed. A real bed, clean sheets, never mind the god in his lap. This was the real miracle. Let's see how good you are with your hands, 
said the bright-eyed boy, making it sound kind of dirty. An hour later, Icarus had his hands wrapped around the throat of a flower merchant in the depths of his store cupboard. A thick-set man. He took a long time to die. I could do better, he said to death afterwards. The scythe-knife tattoo he'd been marked with at birth was darker now, nearly black. He couldn't stop staring at it. This meant he belonged with someone. I hope that's true, said his new master, who still looked like a carefree youth. They sat on another bridge together, passing an apple back and forth, bite for bite. It was the best-tasting thing Icarus had eaten in weeks. Why did he have to die? Icarus asked. That merchant, that mark. What did he do? Death raised an eyebrow. What do you think he did? Some terrible crime, I expect. Did he desecrate a temple? Or say bad things about you? Did he beat his wife? No one knew why death took some sacrifices, refused others. All they knew was that he chose. He chose, and his servants killed. And someone paid. Would that make it easier for you, mused death, to know he was a bad man who deserved his fate at your hands? Icarus snorted. It wasn't hard. Icarus was twenty when he met Valeria, the blade. That wasn't unusual. There were a dozen of priests of the Black Raven, and they didn't exactly hang out at the same taverns. The younger priests were encouraged to live in the temples, to work in pairs when the job was dangerous, one to take the mark, one to back them up, to learn the names of the handmaidens and other support staff. The older priests, the veterans and legends, like the whip and the sword and the blade, they kept themselves distant from the temples. No one knew where they lived. When they were not serving their god, they were always serving their god. If you saw one of them, then they weren't on duty, because no one ever saw them when they meant business. Legends, all of them. Icarus was occasionally paired with Skiller back then, the dart. It made sense for a close fighter to be matched with a distance weapon. They were all weapons, he knew that now. Tools of their master. Skiller was obsessed with Valeria the Blade, collected all kinds of rumours and clues about the older woman. The Strix job was Skiller's, with Icarus there as backup. Neither of them were expecting trouble, not from a soft mark like August Wenting, a scoundrel who'd married and abandoned seven wives across the kingdom, finally betraying one who had enough coin to beg the Black Raven for justice. It went wrong. It all went wrong. By the time the job was over, the worst job Icarus had ever seen, August was dead, along with his eight surprise bodyguards. So was Skiller. There was blood all over a hotel floor, and most of it belonged to Icarus. He hadn't seen his god's face in years, didn't expect him to come now, 
to answer the prayer of a dying priest. As Icaros lost consciousness, the last thing he saw was the window of the hotel room, black with feathers, and the shape of a woman stepping out of the shadows. "'You're the blade,' he murmured, hours later, as the knights of the Bright Owl worked to save his life. The beautiful woman gave him the filthiest expression he'd ever seen. "'You owe me a new feather brace,' she informed him. "'I'm never going to get all your blood out of mine.' The first time Valeria took Icaros to her bed, six months after they first met, he found thirty-nine concealed knives within her clothes. The water didn't taste like flowers anymore. It didn't taste of anything. Icarus could not feel Calix holding on to him. That probably meant he was almost gone. Icarus was twenty-two when he first thought about retiring. Layla laughed at him. Why, you think you're going to move in here? Pour ale for the rest of your life. This isn't your world. You're giving it up, he said stubbornly. Layla was a cleric of the Silver Hawk, a foot soldier of the god everyone else knew as war. For a short-statured woman, she wielded a mean axe. But she'd always meant to return to her father's tavern after a decade of war, retire gracefully while she was still alive. I'm ready, Layla said, patting him on the shoulder. My god and I were done with each other. But you, dear heart, you're never going to be done with yours. Icarus thought about that two weeks later, when he strangled a sailor in Mermaid Bay and felt the benediction of the black raven cross his brow. He thought about it again when he saw the eyes of his baby daughter for the first time and left her behind in her mother's arms. Icarus was twenty-four when he married Valeria. The first time. It lasted three years. It never stopped being a disaster. Icarus was thirty when he married Valeria for the second time. When it was good, it was good. When it was bad, well, the stories exaggerated. They only nearly burned a city down together once. How long have you been doing this? asked Mardi Morency, new recruit to the Black Raven, smart as a button, good head on her shoulders. Dark eyes, alive with enthusiasm. She ignored her fellow novices, trailing instead after the older priests, hungry to learn what made the legends so good at their work. Icaros was one of the legends now. I can't remember, he said, then counted in his head. Twenty years? This conversation was twenty years ago. You must be good at what you do. We all serve as best we can. She seemed impossibly young. But she'd turned eighteen before she joined the temple. Death didn't take kids as young as Icarus had been. Not any more. How will I know? Mardi asked him. Which weapon is mine? What kind of priest I'm supposed to be? 
She wouldn't be the needle for another year, but, oh, she would have earned it by then. Icaros remembered how it had felt to become the hand, to be part of something so much greater than himself. His name was a weapon, he was a weapon, and all was right with the world. You'll know, he promised Marty. You'll feel how right it is, in your bones. Thank you for listening to Sheep Might Fly. I will be back next week with the next half of this chapter. This podcast was recorded on Palawa land. I acknowledge and pay respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people as the traditional and continuing custodians of Lutruwita, Tasmania. Uh, Sheep Might Fly is produced and edited by Andrew Finch. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Instagram, Blue Sky or Threads at TansyRR. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of bonus rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. Once it's edited, that will include this, well, as it turns out, novel. <laughs> I'll see you next week for the next episode. <laughs>